Hey guys, welcome back to Unpopular. I've got a great guest on today to talk all about Gwen Stefani, her uh, Japanese scandal, her impact on pop culture, her music career, specifically her first album, Love Angel Music Baby, which is incredible. It still sounds amazing. Um, and I actually hadn't jumped into like Gwen in like a deep divey kind of way in like years and years and years. Then when you really look at her, and you really go over everything, you're like, my God, she's like that bitch. Like, she really has had like a bigger impact than even I realized. And I've been a fan and remember her since like Just a Girl when I was a kid. Uh, so that's coming up soon. I also saw Megan, you know, the, the killer AI doll movie. Relax, I'm not about to give any spoilers. Like, you've seen the trailer. The movie is someone buys an AI doll and then it tries to kill people. Like, that's the movie. So, don't be like, oh, my God, there's a spoiler. I have to turn it off. Like, you're, there's not. that's the movie. Like, there's nothing else. So, just calm down. Um, it's very fun. I was worried that it would be shit because all of the, like, annoying, like, Scream franchise queens on Twitter were just, like, spazzing out over it. And I'm like, oh, this means this is going to be, like, awful. But it's actually really, really fun. I totally recommend, like, anyone see it because it's just, like, fun. I mean, I can't. I can't imagine really, like, not enjoying it unless you're, like, really uptight. Like, this is stupid, but it's good. Um, the female protagonist, I don't know who the actress's name is, but she's Marnie from Girls. She's this really, like, frigid, unlikable girl boss who just wants, like, robots to raise children everywhere so she can get rich. And I appreciated that. I like a, you know, unlikable protagonist. I think it's cool, you know, like a horrible lead. The whole movie's, like, pretty campy. It did touch on something real regarding to, like, tech addiction and our over-reliance on it. Like, the little girl in the movie gets completely addicted to Megan, you know, emotionally, and then she freaks out when they try to take, you know, Megan away from her, and... That's so true, because how many times do you see teenagers spinning out when you take away, like, in a really scary way? I've seen all those viral videos. It's usually, like, with girls, it's their mobile phones. They'll try to fucking kill you. With boys, it's, like, video games. I even remember when I was a teenager, I got completely addicted to chat rooms, which is, this is, like, when the internet was, like, first popping, really. (laughs) And, like, chat rooms were actually still a thing. And I would go into, like, all these gay chat rooms. I basically had a whole other life in these chat rooms, totally talking to pedos, which obviously I didn't know it at the time. Now I look back and I'm like, oh, my, you know, f- fucking hell. But um, thank God we didn't really have, like, I mean, we had webcams back then, but it wasn't, like, common to everyone having, like, it wasn't as common where, like, everyone had a webcam and everyone had, like, photos of themselves and, like, selfies and stuff saved. And, you know, we didn't have iPhones then either. And I'm like... That's really great because if I had had, you know, an iPhone or like a HD webcam during that time, like somebody would be in jail. Some pedo would be locked up. Actually, maybe it would be good if I had had a webcam then. I could have been like, maybe the police would have given me an award for like getting a few creeps arrested. But anyway, I remember my mum tried to like take the internet away from me when I was like 14 or 15 because I was on it all the time. And I fucking like freaked out and she took like one of the cords away so like i stole money like that day and just like walked to like the supermarket in the rain it was like a thunderstorm and i literally just walked there bought a new one and like came back and plugged it back in so i kind of related to megan a little bit like the little girl um 
The Child's Play remake is actually much better. That has Aubrey Plaza. I'm wondering if people will kind of like rediscover that now because Aubrey Plaza is like big again thanks to White Lotus. So I'm like, are people going to be like diving into her filmography? Because she did a remake of Chucky a couple years ago. It was really good. It didn't really do that well. Um, and Megan copied that Child's Play remake a lot. Uh, but the tonally, they're completely different. The Child's Play remake is actually like very dark and it's kind of scary and also has more heart because the boy in the film becomes very emotionally attached to Chucky, but in a way where you actually like feel for Chucky and, you know, you feel for the relationship, which you don't in Megan, like, and it's actually quite sad when he has to kill Chucky at the end. Like you kind of feel bad for Chucky. Um, And it was just really interesting the way that they did it. And, of course, Chucky's AI in the remake. And people didn't like that at the time, which is kind of funny. Like, people were complaining, like, oh, my God, they're making it, like, so modern and shit by making Chucky AI. And then, like, two or three years later, Megan comes out with the AI doll and it's, like, the hit sensation of the year. So, I think, like, that Chucky remake was a bit ahead of its time and it's just got a little more depth to it, whereas Megan is just, like, memeable, like, dance-offs to pop songs and, like, comedy characters. Kills, which is fun too. Um, anyway, the the movie theater for Megan was not a great vibe, and I knew it wouldn't be. I went there on opening night, um, which I would never do usually. Like I've talked about this before. I have a rule of like never go and see a mainstream movie, you know, on a weekend or in an evening session or anything. Like if you want to watch something mainstream or something horror, like anything that attracts like teenagers and just idiots and stuff, like go at the fucking 10 a.m. session on, you know, a Wednesday. Like don't go opening night, but I just really wanted to see Megan because everyone wouldn't shut the fuck up about it on Twitter. And of course it was like people talking, people eating loudly, like fucking cows, people constantly getting up to go to the toilet all night. Like what it I mean, if you can't sit through a movie without having to go to the toilet like ten times, maybe you should have just stayed at home. Um and the movie theater was very full. And these two fucking TikTok brain teenagers booked seats right next to my friend and I. And I had pre-booked the seats days in advance to get like a solitary spot for me and my friend like in the back corner kind of away from everyone and these fuckers came and sat next to us and then all around me and this isn't being shady but it's like calm down okay i'm not being shady i'm just literally factually describing this okay so fucking relax okay so i'm sitting there and some intellectually disabled people came in and i'm like really And one comes in front of me, one is on the aisle to my right, and I'm not sure if they, like, booked their seats properly because they they were separated, which, like, didn't seem to make sense. And they came in either with their father or a caretaker. I mean, they were very, like, high-functioning, so I don't know if they needed a caretaker or not. Um, And I actually couldn't tell at – like, when I first saw them, I was like – I wasn't sure if they were intellectually disabled or if they were just, like – real country, you know, like real small town. Like I wasn't sure. Uh, And then the movie started and there was a lot of fidgeting with the popcorn and the drinks. And because they weren't seated next to each other, they kept having to like pass popcorn between themselves via the aisle. And like if one of them wasn't paying attention, the other one would be there like shaking the popcorn to like get their attention, Um, you know, like a child. And... It was a lot. And then whenever Megan would, like, pop up on screen, one of them was like, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, like, every time, like, Megan would come up. And I'm thinking, like, honestly, like, but it wasn't that annoying. Like, compared to the other, if I had to rank all the annoying things going on in the theatre, 
they were kind of at the bottom of the pile. And I also like had more empathy for them because my family actually, well, not all of my family, but like probably like half my family, a disability support worker. So I've like grown up around it. Um, I'm used to it. So I'm not going to like spit the dummy over that in the same way that I do for like, you know, normal people like misbehaving in the movie. So like, I get it. Um, but I also was like, did you really need to come to the opening night at like 7 PM? Like, could it not have been like a quieter session with less people? Was it absolutely necessary out of all the sessions to come to this one in a horror movie? Like luckily it's the movie's kind of dumb, but you still like don't want the tension broken. So yeah, like it, it's, does it take me out of the tense moment of Megan about to kill someone when I hear, Oh, Oh, Megan's coming. Like, yeah, of course it did. Like, I just don't know if it was necessary, but the people eating their food in there, they were definitely more annoying. And I was thinking in the movie, I'm like, noisy food needs to be banned in movies. Like period. I'm like popcorn, crinkling wrappers, candy bars, slurping drinks with the straw, like all of it. Cause it's outrageous. Like you can't be there eating. You can't be snacking for a whole fucking movie. It's too much. I think I was thinking about this while I was in the movie. Cause just all of the like fucking hullabaloo around me was distracting me sort of from Megan a bit. So I was kind of like thinking these things over with popcorn. We need to just get it down to the small size only. And then, we're not going to have people because the, the, look, the big, the big size pop, it's too fucking big anyway. No one needs that much popcorn. Like it's unbelievable the size of those large popcorns. So only serve small popcorn. And most people start eating their popcorn the second they sit down in like in their seat when the trailers are on. So then at least like you'll probably be finished with the popcorn like 10 minutes into the movie, which is acceptable. Like you can't be sitting there rummaging around with like the fucking seeds and at the bottom of the, the fucking cardboard box when we're, you know, 90 minutes into the film, like it's just out of control. The crinkling wrappers definitely have to go all crinkling wrappers. Like, no, because, and some people like keep their like chocolatey kind of like, you know, M&Ms and stuff until they're later in the movie. Cause first they're going through the popcorn, they're going through like the, you know, their choc tops and their ice creams. And then it's time to get out the Mars bars and the Snickers and the M&Ms. So, you know, again, we're like more than an hour in the movie and then you hear the fucking crinkling going on that. So, I think if we're selling chocolates, the whatever the server person needs to like, and they need to have gloves on so it's hygienic, but they need to fucking open the Mars bar up, take it out of that fucking noisy packet and like put it in a sort of origami folded like napkin where it kind of looks like cute and it's like tucked in there. And then they give it to you. So once you're like, it's just going to be quiet. Okay. Cause the wrappers, it's too much. Um, And the slurping, the slurping drinks with the straws, it's beyond. It needs to just be bottled water. You should, or like bottled Coca-Cola. I mean, guys, you shouldn't be drinking Coca-Cola anyway. It's filth. But like, put it in, yeah, put it in a bottle. I mean, it's still going to be annoying when you open the bottle and I have to hear the whoosh as like the fucking carbonated bubbles, whatever, rush up. Like that's, a, but at least that's just one and done as opposed to having the whole drink and I have to hear the ice like rummaging around, like people shaking the fucking ice like maracas. It's like, bitch, are you in fucking Africa with maracas in the middle of the jungle doing a fucking rain dance or something? Like this is beyond, like stop. Like enough with shaking the ice around to get the last little like droplets of liquid. Like you've drank it all. And then when they're like trying to slurp the last parts and it sounds like a fucking bathtub emptying, beyond and i just think how can you actually sit in here in a packed movie doing this sounding like the most absolute 
obese, ignorant pig that's like ever walked the face of the earth. And you're not even thinking like, oh, this might be annoying people that I'm like shaking my ice around for, you know, 10 minutes and trying to like slurp out like, you know, droplets of, you know, watery Coke. Like it's just fucking gross. And anyway, that was bad. That was way worse than like the disabled people. And then the number one worst thing was the fucking teenagers that sat next to me and my friend. Okay. They talked the entire movie on top of like having their phone out and they didn't even turn the screen brightness down. So they had their phones out. Luckily, the phones were on silent. That was the one thing they did right. But they had the phones up full brightness flashing around. So it's like out the corner of my eye, it's like a fucking search team is down the well looking for like little Timmy with like flashlights down the bottom of the fucking well. Like it was beyond anything. They kept, they were not even watching the movie at all. And like halfway through the movie, like I leaned over to them. I said, can you guys shut the fuck up? And then like they actually did. And I was glad about it because, you know, I was thinking about it beforehand because I was sitting there and thinking they're actually still talking. Like they're still talking. You know, do you say anything? Do you not? And usually I don't say anything. and I just sit there boiling with rage and- by the way, I actually was not as angry as you would think because I knew that I'd put myself in that position. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like I'd gone and watched something like really serious that I really wanted to see, you know, if I hadn't seen Tar yet or something. And then it was like TikTok fucking teenagers were ruining it. I knew that I was seeing like a mainstream popcorn movie and that I was going on opening night and that I'm in a fucking small town that's filled with like Darrow fucking like Gronk Bogans. And, you know, I just, I'm like, you put yourself in this position. You knew it. You know to go to like morning sessions if you want to avoid this. So like, it's your fault. So like that prevented me from like spurging out. Like I remember one, like back in the day when I saw, I don't know if it was like The Grudge or The Grudge 2. I was like still a teenager. I saw one of them at the cinema and like people were talking, but I didn't say anything. And then like after the movie, I was like smashing shit in like the car park. So I was so angry because I hadn't like told them off. So anyway, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like, do I say something to these? I couldn't even tell how old they were too. Cause like, you know, kids look real grown, like fucking Millie Bobby Brown's 18. She looks like 27 now. So you really don't know how old people are. I'm like, are they like 16 or are they like 22? I had no idea. And I think they're on a date with this fucking bogan guy and like his slut girlfriend. And I'm like, okay, so if I tell them to shut the fuck up, which I'm about to, you know, like you've got to think 10 steps ahead to have every scenario. Like if they talk back, you got to know like what to say to shut them the fuck up. If they try to fight you, you've got to be like ready to fight. Like you've got to have it planned out. Because I was talking to a housewife recently and she was like someone she was annoyed with and she was thinking about saying something to them. And I'm like, well, yeah, if you want to like go ahead. But I'm like this person that you want to call out is like, pretty good at being a housewife so i'm like you need to think of like 10 different scenarios of like what she would say and like what you're gonna say back or or you're gonna look like a clown and get like she'll eat you up if you come for her so i was like thinking it through like that i'm like okay well first of all like i'll tell them to shut the fuck up and then if they like try something next stage is like i'm throwing this fucking coke but it was not my coke it was my friend's coke i did not buy large oversized cokes filled with you know ice noisy drinks okay i actually had a bottle of uh, mount franklin water not carbonated so you don't have to hear whoosh when i open it um so i'm sitting there just like you know quiet and i had a chalk top which i opened the plastic packet on that during the trailers so i was not interrupting the movie and then eating an ice cream's you know quiet so so um, 
I'm like, this fucking drink's going on them if they even talk back to me after I tell them, like, put them in their place. And then their ass is getting whooped if they try it, both of them, the girl and the guy, because I was in my gym clothes because I came from the gym to the movies. So I had a pump. I was, like, in shorts, sneakers, you know, ready to throw down. Um And, yeah, I told them to shut the fuck up, and they did. Like, they literally did not say anything for the rest of the movie. So that was good. But I was also, like, when the movie finished, I was, like, eager to kind of get out of there with my friend because, like, it is a small town. And I was also, like, you know, if now he, like, tries something to, like, look cute in front of his girlfriend, calls me a faggot or something, like, he's getting his ass whooped. And, like, I just, like, don't need that drama because I'm, like – I'm not trying to get arrested, okay? But I also know, like, my temper that, like, if someone calls me a faggot out, like, your teeth are getting knocked out, bitch. So I just tried to, like, remove my... I thought it was, like, very mature, actually, because I didn't, like, spaz. Even when I told them to shut the fuck up, I wasn't, like, shaking with rage. It was just, like, annoyed. Like, dude, you know, like, are you fucking serious? Um, So I don't know. I just think I was, like, very mature and classy the whole time. And then I left. And that's that. Um, Okay, I'm going to get into the movie. Oh, my God. By the way, I have to thank some people for something. Hang on. Uh, A bunch of people donated uh, money to my Buy Me A Coffee page the other week. And I meant to thank you guys on here. And I forgot. So thank you, Pam, Steph, um, Lily, Courtney, Ellie. Love you guys. Thanks. Thanks for the cash. Actually came in handy because I – Something went wrong with the audio on this episode and I had to pay 70 bucks to like get it fixed just to get this freaking episode out because the audio messed up. So um, your contributions definitely go towards like helping the podcast out. So thank you guys. Also, thanks to everyone leaving reviews. Oh my God, someone left me a shady review and I want to respond to it, but we're running out of time this week. So bitch, next episode you're getting it. But um, thanks to everyone leaving me nice reviews and... What else? Yeah. Pay- oh, there's an interview with um, Housewives of Miami's Gertie on my Patreon that I put up and some other things. That's patreon.com slash unpopularjp. Everything is in the show notes, all the links, everything you need that's in there. And uh, I hope you enjoy the show. If you enjoy it, share it with your friends. That helps me grow. That spreads the show. Post in your group chats. Tell people, oh my God, I love this episode about Gwen Stefani. You should listen to it. And then, you know, maybe they'll become fans. So, Please do that. And thanks, guys. I will see you all next ep. Bye. Hey guys, uh, I have a longtime Twitter mutual on the pod today, and he's a fellow podcaster. We are talking all things Gwen Stefani and culturally appropriating Japan, which we love. Please welcome Zach Langley Chichi from I'm So Popular. Konbanwa. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to finally get to chat with you in the podcasting medium. I know. I've been like waiting and I've been wanting to have you on. And I'm like, I need like the perfect topic. And I've just been like waiting. And then this like, stupid Gwen Stefani thing happened and I'm like this is actually perfect because like we can talk about how dumb this is but then also talk about how freaking amazing she is and Lamb is and just like the whole thing uh Mm. just let people know who you are because you're kind of you're in a good position to talk about this because you're like a white American drag queen in Japan who like loves Japan 
Yeah, cultural appropriation is my number one talent. So this is exactly what I'm here for. But yeah, I've been、um, a drag queen in Japan for about four and a half years. I live in Tokyo. My podcast is about、um, a lot of Japanese pop culture, film, cinema, literature. And、uh, every week on my show, I'm talking about like the end of the world and cultural criticism. So, this is what I do full time. I love Japan, it's the best country in the world. Everything else is horrible. Gwen Stefani is right. <laughs> That's my whole philosophy. I mean, your performances are so cool. Like, I've seen your Silent Hill ones, which is like so amazing because I've never <gasps> seen like anyone do that before. I'm like, this is like next level. What are some of your other like pop culture influences in your like actual drag performances? That's a great question. I'm definitely influenced a little bit by a little lady you probably have never heard of. Her name is Madonna.、Um, <laughs> I don't know. I really appreciate her knack for pissing people off. And when I like, rewatch、um, Truth or Dare and I'm watching her like, writhe around molesting her own vagina, it's very exciting for me. So, my goal is to kind of evoke the same sense of disgust, but outside of、uh, the obvious answer, I'm like, really into performances of the self, like people like Mishima Yukio, these great authors who also were. Professionally inventing their own characters through like public performance. So I really like the idea that every time you come see Chi Chi perform, you're getting like a new angle and a new like aesthetic path to understanding my whole character. So yeah, like Silent Hill.、Um, I do like a lot of、uh, weird experimental pop music that no one cares about, like Jesse Lanza and、uh, yeah, pissing people off and making people uncomfortable. That's what drag's all about. And that's my number one goal as well. Yo, I actually found you through, I think, through your like Madonna podcast. You had a podcast called Gang Bang. I don't know if it was like officially because you used to talk about like other stuff too, but it was just like two Madonna fans like sounding off. Shout out David, your former co host. We love David.、Mm-hmm. Um, wait, before we get into Gwen, I've got to ask you, what do you think of, because、um, I was talking about my, I was talking to my other friend Jess, who's a like hardcore Madonna stan as well. And she hates Madonna's Instagram. And I absolutely love her Instagram. Like, I think it's like a work of art. I love all of the like overly filtered airbrushed photos. I love all of the like weird sex poses. Do you like her, like, her social media output? I live for her social media output. And anyone who doesn't love it is not getting it because she's the only celebrity who is so unhinged and first and foremost, real. The fact that Madonna is. Quite literally, one of the most famous women to ever walk the world. And she is going totally bonkers and bananas on her Instagram in the way that she wants to. That's rare and valuable. So I love watching her fuck around singing about fried fish. I think she is a genius. And her fascist, nightmarish Instagram assault is like true, like political theater. And I just feel like she's doing the same thing she's always done. Cause like people get so upset about her Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, she's always like finding something to like piss you guys off with. So just now it happens to be、mm-hmm. Instagram. Like she'll always find something to like get under your skin. I just love it. And、uh, I'm excited for that world tour. If she doesn't come to Australia, which she always fucking skips Australia, she's like known for it.、Um, I will probably like travel to see it. Cause I've never seen her live. Have you seen her live? I haven't because she didn't bring the Madam X tour to. 
um, to Japan, and I was far too broke when I was like a freshman in college to see the Rebel Heart tour. So this would be my first chance probably to see her if she drags her old ass over here, and she fucking better because I can't afford a goddamn plane ticket. <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's get into like gwen and can we just agree on like the starting premise like she is japanese gwen stefani's japanese right yes gwen <laughs> exactly. stefani is japanese 100 <gasps> percent. Mm. <laughs> and we're going to talk about love angel music baby uh which i'm just like so back into now because this scandals like reignited her like music career for me and i'm like going through all the songs and uh you know her harajuku lovers era her current cultural appropriation scandal let me just like explain it to you guys if you're not like you know across this like stupid thing i mean i think it's already kind of out of the news cycle it's just one of those things people like really upset about for like a day and a half and then everyone like forgets that it happened but Gwen did this interview with Alua magazine and it was to promote her new makeup line and this wasn't even like an in-depth cover story where you're gonna like get into a personal life and stuff I think it was just some like promotional event the makeup's there a bunch of different journalists come and they can like ask her some softball questions about you know like well, what inspired you to like make you know red lipstick or whatever and then the article drops with the title Gwen Stefani my god I'm Japanese because <laughs> during their chat Gwen was asked about her Harajuku you know lover's fragrance and fashion brand which was obviously like inspired by Japan and uh, Gwen made this like throwaway comment that she was Japanese because <laughs> when she went to Tokyo for the first time, she was so overcome by like the culture there and everything. She just went, oh my God, I'm, I'm Japanese. She felt this like kinship with the Harajuku culture there. And she also tells this story about like growing up in Orange County that her dad would go to Japan all the time on business and he would come back with all of these amazing, exciting stories about like the fashion and the street performers that he would, you know, see there. And she grows up, she goes there for the first time. She says, oh my God, I'm Japanese. And he's just like, some more elaboration she went into it a bit more because i think like the picture that i get is that like gwen said the i'm japanese comment and then this like uptight fucking dork journalist i'm gonna fucking give you more details about her in a second too was like you know cold silence so she probably just started like talking and talking trying to like cover it up because she could tell that like you know because they've been trying to fucking get gwen on this for 10 years now. I mean, I feel like they're constantly like, we need to talk about Gwen's Harajuku phase. But um, she said, if people are going to criticize me for being a fan of something beautiful and sharing that, then I just think that doesn't feel right. I think it was a beautiful time of creativity, a time of the ping pong match between Harajuku culture and American culture. It should be okay to be inspired by other cultures because if we're not, then that's dividing people, right? That's all she said. And this fucking journalist, okay, who, by the way, is an American Filipina. She's not Japanese. She was actually born in Singapore. I've like, I've looked her up. I've got the receipts on this woman. <laughs> she turns the entire <laughs> she turns the entire article into just like a piece about herself and her trauma as like an Asian woman. And it's like the most self-indulgent fucking narcissistic shit. It's all about um she fears for her safety and her parents' safety, and she's been called racial slurs, and she was absolutely shocked and stunned that Gwen Stefani would say she's Japanese. And she even writes in the article, uh, words don't have to be hostile in their intent in order to potentially cause 
cause harm. And then, <laughs> then she rolls out like AAPI hate crime stats. And she's like, you know, <laughs> we investigated and like Gwen Stefani, like hasn't expressed publicly expressed outrage on the hate crime against the Asian community. Um, she gets quotes from some like fucking libtard university professor to like weigh in on cultural appropriation. <laughs> um it's just, oh, the writer even tells a fucking story about how, like, she wanted the Harajuku lover's perfume when she was a little girl, but then she realized when she grew up that, you know, it was problematic because um, Gwen is white. I mean, I can't fucking believe, first of all, that these are, like, media professionals, okay, and they've been paid to, like, can you go cover Gwen Stefani's makeup line? And now they've used their, like, platform in this big magazine to just, like, write about their own fucking trauma like get a therapist <laughs> yeah i was appalled by the article um not necessarily even from like the appropriation angle or anything but because it's like so vicious to go to a promo event where your job is to write a fluff piece for fucking allure a publication that nobody reads no one is interested in this does not do serious profile pieces about artists and Someone's squeezing one comment to do this masturbatory, like, ego baby performance about Asian discrimination and who is allowed to make what art. I mean, it's just repulsive. And um, it was just, it was so disgusting. There, I will say, there is a very unique relationship to race that, um, like, first, second generation Asian immigrant children have in America because their own culture has become so broiled out by the all-seeing eye of American uh, culturalism that, like, they don't even, like, know what culture belongs to them, so they're always getting mad on other Asians' ethnicities. (laughs) And the fact that she is, like, outraged as a Filipina about fucking japan a country that colonized them like very violently like 70 years ago it's just too funny and if you try to explain the context of this to a japanese person they would be confounded like shocked well this happens all the time where like especially when it comes to like Japanese stuff specifically, where they'll get outraged. The the prime example is the Avril Lavigne Hello Kitty controversy. Where, oh yeah, Mina you know, Psycho Arigato, kawaii. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she was like Avril's really big in Japan. Okay, well she was. I don't know if she still is, but she was for like you know a long time. It was like one of her biggest markets. She did this like dubstep electro pop track <laughs> called Hello Kitty, which it's like I like it. It's fun, and it's just like a homage to like. <laughs> You know, Japanese stuff, but fun. Anyway, fucking American. This is like 10 years ago or something now. Because, by the way, this cultural appropriation stuff, it's, I can't believe we're even talking about it 2023 because it's such like an old ass, like, scandal that's. I know. It's like, it's eight years old at this point. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's like still. It's still going on. And like, people, like Americans, really shit the bed over this Hello Kitty music video. And then, like, I'm not sure who it was, but I don't know if it was, like, Billboard magazine or someone, like, went to Japan to, like, talk to Japanese people on the street. Like, oh, my God, what do you think of this? And they're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Like, they couldn't give, like, two fucks (laughs) in America. It's, like, this, like, fucking huge firestorm. Um, By the way, that Filipino journalist, um, not Japanese, again, um, 
She totally went to this event with an agenda 100%. I bet she was told by the publicist, because, like, I work in this industry, I bet they were told, you know, no questions about Gwen's personal life. This is about her fashion and, um, you know, her new makeup line and, you know, we're just promoting that with the launch and you can get a photo with her, etc. And then she comes in with this sneaky way of, like, I'm going to ask her about the Harajuku, you know, lover's fragrance because, you know, like, I can get away with that. And then... She gets like the one thing where like Gwen like kind of like I, mean, I wouldn't I don't even want to say that she slipped up because she didn't and like you know that if Gwen Stefani hadn't said the I'm Japanese comment the journalist still would have been like the article's title even without the Japanese comment would have been like Gwen Stefani discusses her new makeup line and that problematic Harajuku lovers era and like what she's learned. Like they literally, I don't think there's anything Gwen could have done because it was like a fucking setup. It was like a fucking ambush by this bitch. I mean, I just like looked at her fucking, not to be really truly wretched, but I just like looked at her profile picture with the like highlighter and that face. I'm like, God, I know that this girl would just like want to fucking <laughs> show up and start misspeaking at you and trying to drag you into situations. I've met this girl dozens of times. Like, I'm American, baby. I know these people. And I can tell, like, if she came up to the interview, she has a little scheme. <laughs> like, she's got a little plot for you. You know what I love, too, is I went on her Instagram and she has a white boyfriend. And I'm like, I would... <laughs> <laughs> Not you stalking her. <laughs> I would I would respect it more if at least she was some, like, Asian, like, ethno-nationalist or something that really, like, walked the walk. But it's like, you're literally, like, a fucking American Filipina with, like, a white boyfriend. And now you're, like, coming in, like, offended on behalf of, like, Japan. By the way, all these media professionals... I don't even want to say media profile, all these like writers and stuff. Cause I'm in this industry too. Like they all want to be famous. That's why they're doing this. So that's mm-hmm. why like now they can, you know, turn every article about themselves. Cause it's like, she did, she doesn't have what fucking Gwen Stefani has. Like you are not that girl, but they see any opportunity where they can like turn it onto themselves. Like the amount of fucking people that I meet that are in like journalism and stuff And they're just using this because they want to use it to be, like, around celebrities or they dream of, like, oh, I'll go from this magazine and then I'll get, like, on TV and then I'm going to be, like, Taylor Lorenz and stuff. Like, they're all sad narcissists that have no fucking talent and are totally unprofessional. And it's like, yeah, if you want to broadcast your, like, personal trauma and, like, psycho issues, like, start a fucking podcast, like, Zach and I, okay? That's the place to do it. Like. Don't do it in fucking Alua magazine. Listen, I drag people into my podcast world so I can make far too personal confessions about my sex life in front of a willing audience. Like, the magazine is not the the venue for that. And on top of it, it's so funny because this kind of brand of, like, sissy hypnode confessional essayism that has infected the minds of American women... Every single American woman writer for the last, like, 15 years has been doing these strange, far too personal, non-professional, confessional disaster tornado pieces. And Lena Dunham identified this in the last season of Girls, where she gets a cushy writer's job doing, like, a promo piece for, like, a bunch of like, surfers or something, and then she shows up, she fucks one of the surf instructors, and then she has a cow about it in the piece. Like, this is a really pressing contemporary female archetype, and it has got to stop. Put it on your podcast. I don't care for the Allure magazine interview. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. And it's like, I feel even stupid, like weighing in on this. Cause it's like, I was looking at the comments and I'm like, I, I don't think I've like argued with anyone on like Twitter about it or something. Cause I'm like, I can't like get in here and be like trying to explain to people like, you know, that Gwen like doesn't literally think she's Japanese. Like, you know, she actually, she's just not Rachel Dolezal or like, fucking Elizabeth Warren or something. She's literally just, like, making, you know, a comment about appreciating the culture. And, like, I'm not trying to do this, like, obvious Fox News, like, hot take thing either, you know. But, Mm. like, I sorry, I have to point out, like, I mean, the gender goblinism that we have to accept, like, we have to accept, you know, everything that Sam Smith does and stuff. And then for her to make, like, a passing comment of, like, oh, my God, I'm Japanese. Like, (laughs) the fucking think piece industrial complex goes into overdrive from this. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, not to be really evil, but, like, Sam Smith's, like, telling me that, like, he's gender ambiguous when he, like, walks out in, like, a hairy, like, one piece. Like, girl, be serious. I don't mean to do it either, because I know that the trap of being, you know, like, oh, God, I'm, like, I'm fucking Bill O'Reilly, and I, you know, it's so easy to spit into that. But, like, it, it feels very personal for me, because Gwen and I share an aesthetic sensibility, which is that we are both profoundly moved and excited about the art that Japanese people make. And Gwen Stefani felt so passionate about it that she spent years of her career triumphing it, bringing it to the forefront of her image. She was so excited about it. She wanted to share it with the world. And I so understand that impulse to, like, fall in love with a culture that you were not raised in and then to spend however many years making it the central celestial object of your art like i get that and for people to deliberately misinterpret her it does bring out the tucker carlson in me it's always like it's always targeted at white people let's this is on another tucker carlson note because you see so many like immigrants that come to america and you know they're indian or they're asian (laughs) or whatever and they're like you know wearing american flags and going i'm american and like they're totally embracing the culture and loving it but it's just you know when it's like a white person doing it somewhere else it's like this is oppression this is colonialism like there's this uh reality show on hbo max it's actually really good it's called house of ho and it's about this vietnamese family that live in texas and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they were like hardcore Republicans and stuff. And the father who came over as an immigrant is so in love with America that he names all of the kids like Reagan and Washington, like all the family are named after American pres- presidents. And uh-huh. they have American flags up everywhere and stuff. And like people look at that and it's like, oh my God, that's so sweet. They love America. And then if like Gwen Stefani's like, oh my God, I love Japan. I'm Japanese. <laughs> The fucking, you know, Filipina with the white boyfriend is like, no, 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 like, you know, going into her Karen. And, okay, let's be clear, okay, let's be fucking clear. Nobody in America or anywhere else in the Western world knew what the fuck Harajuku was until Gwen Stefani put that shit on the map. She put it on the map for, like, normies everywhere. Like, I never heard of it before because I was – I'm trying to think how old I was when she she came out with that. I don't know. I was, like, definitely, like – somewhere in the teen years. And I had never heard of Harajuku until, like, she came, like, mainstreamed it. Like, mm-hmm. she's, like, spreading culture. Well, the funny thing also is that, like... Sorry to interrupt you. I Like, if you think, like, that Gwen Stefani is guilty of, quote, cultural appropriation, unquote, I dare you. I double-dog dare you to look at the promotional material for almost any rapper that's been popular in the last 10 years. Doja Cat, Kendrick Lamar... Kung Fu Kenny, hello? Like, all of these people are doing it all the time, but no one says anything for a mysterious reason that I can't quite 
pinpoint. <laughs> I wonder what it could be. Um, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Nicki Minaj with hmm. Chun Li. Uh, and oh, but uh, she's like an eighth the Japanese, you know. So. <laughs> Um, Gwen introduced, like, so many things straight up, like, ska, I, th- I mean, she, I feel like a lot of people discovered, like, ska music through, through no, no doubt, like, I mean, especially totally. young people, like, older, like, music heads knew what it was, but young people, you're hearing about ska music for the first time through, like, no doubt, and even, like, a lot of designers, like, Vivian Westwood and John Galliano that Gwen was name-checking, like, these weren't, like, Chanel, like, yeah, now we're older, of course, we know who they are, but I feel like that was the first time a lot of people in the mainstream heard these names like she is the ultimate culture vulture in just like the best way possible like the beginning of her career if you go back to no doubts just a girl she's wearing the bindi on her head because she was dating tony canal at the time who's indian and i actually saw her telling this really beautiful story to vogue and she said how when they were dating and i think they started dating when she was like a teenager so she was quite young and she would go to tony's house and his mother who was like, I mean, she was literally from India and they came over. No, she she was from India and they went to like England and then they came over to the States. And Tony's mother would like come down in her like Indian sari and all of the jewelry and, you know, bindis and stuff. And Gwen was just totally like bedazzled and enchanted by it. So she'd go around like wearing bindis and like little bits of Indian culture. Then, of course, there was like the Jamaican scar stuff. I remember when she came out even with like, this isn't cultural appropriation, but when she had the, uh, like the hot pink hair and the blue hair, like that was kind of like radical at the time. Like people weren't doing that. With the braces. I mean, she is the ultimate culture vulture and it's because she is the most prescient American image for that one album, Love Angel Music Baby. And I like the Sweet Escape too, but during that period, she was spinning her artistic spirit. She was spreading her tendrils into every last recess of the world's cultures. And if you listen to that album, there are Jewish references on Rich Girl, which is a fucking cover of a song that remixes a song from fucking Fiddler on the Roof. It's like the Chola culture. It's like the cool, like, Latina girls. It's like the cool black girls. It's the cool Japanese girls. Like, she was swallowing up every dazzling female archetype and then spitting it back out because she loved it. Well, yeah, in the um, luxurious music video, she full-on dresses like some Mexican, like, chola mommy, which is amazing, and she's hanging out with her girls at the nail salon. It's, it's fucking like fierce. And- <laughs> it's so good. And then that's, like, that video comes out after she's doing, like, Harajuku stuff, and even, like, um, she gets a lot of a backlash for having the the actual Harajuku girls, which were the Japanese backup dancers. That was so fucking iconic and so high concept, like very pre Gaga Gaga. Cause you know, Gaga came out with the, like, you know, the egg on the, on the red carpet and stuff like that. And I'm like, Gwen was doing this like high concept stuff like 10 years before, mm-hmm. but people don't really think people don't think of Gwen Stefani in the same way that they would think of like a lady Gaga, but it's like, she was like really doing this stuff. And um, well, it's unfortunate because she kind of, stopped herself like she was on track to be one of the most exciting pop superstars like and she had two really strong albums back to back and then just stopped you know and then ended up on the voice blake shelton blah 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 and it's so unfortunate because the harajuku girls that she had accompanying her were avant-garde and terrifying and riveting like 
I remember like the first time I saw the Harajuku girls performing um, behind Gwen on the MTV Video Award stage. I was like six years old or like eight years old, and it was like me and my mom were in Germany, like visiting my grandfather, and we were watching the MTV Music Awards like in the hotel. And I remember being like shaken up and like afraid of the Harajuku girls. And like after that, you know, of course. Lady Gaga was able to, like, invoke fear in her pop music, but no one has ever made something quite as, like, bold and, like, kind of, like, scary. Like, oh, God, it's so exciting. Love Angel Music Baby was definitely lightning in a bottle. I agree that the second album, like, has some bops, but a lot of that second album, Sweet Escape, was uh, it was stuff that didn't make the cut on Love yeah. Angel Music Baby, and you can tell. And then it was, like, a few new things that she recorded to, like, throw it together, but, like, Love Angel Music Baby is the album. Also, by the way, she openly credits all of her influences, like, very openly, like, right down to, like, specific people, mm-hmm. and, oh, I got this from here, and this fashion and stuff, because it's like, you know, the the social justice warriors, whatever, they love to act like whoever does cultural appropriation just, like, takes things and, like, passes it off on their own. But it's like any fucking interview she does, she'll be like, oh, yeah, I literally specifically got it from, like, this person and, like, they're amazing. You should, like, check them out. And it it is really beautiful looking back on the Love Angel music, baby, Eric, because I've been, like, going back through it, like, before doing this podcast and just to see someone – you know, a pop star at Gwen's level, you know, pre-wokeness being able to do this because, like, you wouldn't be able to do it now because you would get – someone would try and then they would get the first scandal of, like, oh, my God, no, you can't you can't dress like a chola. And then they would just, like, get chicken shit and, like, scrap the rest of the era. And, like, she's never really apologized for it. Um, I, she's sort of, like – she's done some, like, half apologies when it's, like, gotten really bad because she's been in, like, a lot of these – scandals like she but she kept doing this like even right Mm -hmm. through to um no doubt's last album push and shove that came out in 2012 and that album had a big controversy because in the looking hot music video they dressed up as like native americans like they did like cowboys and indians and it's gwen literally in like the indian headdress and like (laughs) dancing in a teepee and stuff (laughs) it's like fucking amazing basically like like, whenever, like, pop culture is dead, they just, like, fucking trot this out again. It's like, okay, like, we have literally nothing to talk about. Better bring up the fact that Gwen Stefani used to idolize Japanese women for a while. And I remember one of the first times it got, like, questioned was, once again, not by a Japanese person, but by a Korean, Margaret Cho, who, like, made, like, saying that she felt, like, dehumanized by the Haraju... Girl, shut up. Like, Koreans fucking hate Japanese people. If you go to Korea and we get on the train, they play, like, out of the airport on the fucking train into Seoul, they play anti-Japanese propaganda. Like, Korean people do not give a fuck if Japanese culture is being ripped to shreds at all. And yet, the American, like, the American mania, like, whatever social disease it is, it just, like, infects these people and they can't even identify with their own culture and they just have to get mad for everyone and it's so annoying i know and it's funny too because like 
they okay they don't want you to do any like culture outside of white culture but like you also can't do like deplorable like white maga stuff like the only acceptable like quote-unquote culture that they'll allow you to do is like frigid girl boss like new york times liberalism and then even then you can still get in trouble because then it's like, well, this is white feminism and it's not intersectional enough. Like, there's just, like, no, no fucking winning. Um, but, yeah, look, Love Angel Music, baby. I listened to this from top to bottom the other day. I was riding my bike. I'm like, let me put this on in prep for the pod. And, mm. of course, it was, like, one of my favourite albums as a teenager. But And sometimes I'll go back to specific songs, but I hadn't actually done the album start to finish for – fucking years and years and years um and i cannot believe how well it holds up Mm. because i sometimes go back and i listen to sort of the old like pop girls you know when i was like a teenage pop faggot and so much of it just sounds like garbage now and i'm kind of like cringe and i'm like oh my god i can't believe i got you know deep meaning off of this you know i get get it Yeah, like a fucking, like, a B-side on whatever, um, like, a Lindsay Lohan album or something, and I'm, like, you know, get totally embarrassed. But, like, this is, like, fucking next level. And I was, like, this is totally, like, the original Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa because it's, like, a full-blown 80s record, but it still sounds so modern and futuristic. Um, Yeah, and then I was going over to, like, Dua Lipa, and I'm, like, Dua Lipa's, like, not she was not operating on Gwen's level with like futureness, even though I like you. Like, I mean, I haven't listened to the whole album, I like the singles or whatever that are like hits. I don't really like listen to like pop albums so much, but like she's not touching Gwen. And like the lead single, uh, What You're Waiting For is such a banger, and it's like it's so unconventional for pop music because most pop songs are about love or sex. Like, those are the the topics. Or, like, going out. Like, you know, the BB, that BB Rex or whatever, um, the the Blue Double D song she has out. Like, that's, like, what a lot of pop music is. And, like, What You're Waiting For is literally all about how she has, like, writer's block and she's scared to release a solo album. And, like, the way she does, like, the opening verse, it's like she's having a conversation with herself, like, going back and forth about, like, releasing this album and how she's, like scared what people are going to think of her but like if she doesn't take the chance and do it now like the moment will pass because you know she's a woman in pop music and she's gonna like age out by the way i think she was like mid-30s when she was slam came out that's i think she's like 35 or something that is crazy for a pop girl to like come out at 35 who does that yeah and she was doing these fucking frankenstein songs it's like 80s plus, like, whatever nightmare was going on in the early 2000s, and she is just slamming every impulse together to create songs that are often not about dating or partying or sex. And then when she does songs about sex on the record, like Bubble Pop Electric, it's, like, freaky. It's weird. It is from a completely unheard perspective. The idea of this, like, 35-year-old woman, like, playing, like, like, a black girl virgin getting railed at the drive-in movie. It's, like, no one could have ever dared to think about it. And I'm glad you brought up Dua Lipa, because I recognize that her music is fun. I don't get mad when they play it at the bar. But it is so generic and characterless. It is, like, produced by AI about, like, what is, like, most essentially pleasing from a point of view of nostalgia. But, like, this... Music on Lamb is totally unwieldy and strange, and it makes it fascinating. 
She does. It's like she puts twists onto the songs. I mean, there's some songs that are a straight up like 80s homage, like Serious, which just sounds like an early Madonna track, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. But like the the other stuff, like, yeah, you brought up Bubble Pop Electric. That song is so insane. When she, when she does that song, they're doing, they do like this spoken word thing where they're, they're taught, like they're speaking like they're out of like Pleasantville or like Greece, like, like Andre 3000's on there, like a greaser. And they're doing like this retro stuff and talking <laughs> about like, you know, getting banged in the back seat, which is like what they would do in the 1950s. But then the, the production is like this futuristic, like alien production on there. It's just like, so it's so fucking different. Um, and, uh, my favorite song off the album is definitely Cool, which I think is just a masterpiece. Like, that song gives me chills when I hear it. Uh, that song's about her relationship with Tony Canal and how, you know, they're both moved on and, you know, they're married and they have kids, but they've stayed friends and they're, like, looking back at their relationship. It's so nostalgic and, it, it, you know what, it hits like a fucking Sally Rooney book, that song, and... <laughs> Because <laughs> we've been talking about Sally. And um, I feel like Fleetwood Max Landslide, that's like the OG goat, like introspective post breakup song. But like to me, like Cool's number two. <laughs> I feel like it's Landslide then. Cool I love me. it. I get it. I mean, yeah. And the video is so glam. It's when she, Little Miss Blonde Bottle Pop Gwen Stefani, like debuts with brunette hair. And looks just as fascinating. I mean, she was so fucking in charge of her image. I can't even imagine a pop girl and her or tours behind her organizing the essence of someone into all of these exciting narrative beats. Like, it is unspoken that Gwen is a blonde or, like, pink hair or whatever. But, like, that simple touch of making her a brunette looking wistfully over her shoulder at this faded relationship is effervescent and beautiful it, i mean they were on their white lotus shit too because they filmed that on location in like an italian villa it's so beautiful i was like re-watching the video and it's like you know the video has her in like current era as a blonde and then it has these like you said these flashbacks of her as a brunette with like her ex-lover and then when they flash back to the present she's like you know meeting meeting her ex and his new girlfriend they're all getting along but she's exchanging these sort of like wistful like they're looking at each other over there like teacups wistfully and you're like is there some regret there is it just you know remembering the the good times but it's like you've moved on like you sort of like don't really know it's kind of like open-ended which is like so amazing and it's it's really underrated because if you look at all of her like biggest hits which is really you know the no doubt stuff and then it's like um the sweet escape and hollaback girl kind of the big ones like cool like the people that know cool love it but i feel like a lot of the like the normies don't know it when they really should because i kind of feel like it should be a pop classic and um i mean it should be a normie anthem it's shocking that it isn't i know like i mean we should go like viral on tiktok or something someone make this happen like (laughs) um and then Hollaback Girl, that's obviously, like, her her big hit. Um, even though that's just, like, a cheerleader musical number, it still sounds like no other pop songs. Like, I was trying to think, is there another pop song like Hollaback Girl? There's not. No, it is so futuristic. Despite the fact that it's, like, cheerleader football nostalgia, it's so out of this world. It sounds up-to-date to now. Like, you play that shit at the club, 
sometimes I play it at my favorite gay club in Tokyo. It's called Dragon Men. And by favorite, I mean it's, like, the only big, like, dance club or whatever. That's, like, mostly for, like, gay guys who are, like, looking to hook up. And when they play Hall of Backgirl, you know, the drinks are up in your hand. You're going on. It's, like, it's so cathartic to hear that song. It's, like, it's, like, a contemporary tribal ritual of, like, women, like, smacking their thighs and, like, grunting and, like, doing, like, rhythmic dances. It feels like a, like a mating ritual. And you know it's a response to Courtney Love, because Courtney Love dissed her yes. and said something like, yeah, Gwen Stefani's like a cheerleader, so she made this like a whole fucking cheerleader song with the Neptunes. And the Neptunes, like especially early Neptunes, like when they were working with Khalees and all of that, they were doing such like space age kind of like weird stuff, but for the radio, like I'm... I'm a huge, like, Neptunes fan of their, like, old production and everything. And, like, pretty much everything they do is, like, amazing. But, yeah, like, Hollaback Girl is just so weird. And, like, the video, she's, like, 35 years old dancing around, like, a high school cheerleader. And, like, she looks so hot. So <laughs> like, sexy. Just, like, stunning. Um, We mentioned Luxurious before. That is, like, that's my, that's my second favorite after um, Cool, for sure. And it's, uh-huh. like... I love in that song that she's so unashamed about enjoying all of her wealth because there's so many of these, like, songs, but it's the girls trying to convince you that they're, like, still down. Like, they're still Jenny from the block. Like, I listened to Fergie's Glamorous again, and the lyrics are all, like, how she still goes to, like, Taco Bell and shit and, like, I'm still that same girl, but, like, in Luxurious, Gwen's, like, yeah, we worked hard, now we can just, like, kick back and, like, live like fucking queens and kings and just, like, live in luxury. It's, like, so... And it's, like, not self-conscious. Like, I feel like um, a song like Luxurious is the kind of music that, like, J-Lo should have been doing if she put out good music. Like, I'm a J-Lo stan, but I don't think her music's good. Like, I just kind of love her as, like... Well, good for you for being able to recognize the truth. <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> I mean, she she has some she has some good stuff, but like overall, it's like very cheap, disposable crap. But I just <laughs> I adore J Lo as the last like multi hyphenate. Like she's so old school to me, like an old diva that like does it all. So I love that. But it's like if she could like put out like real music that's just not crap, like she would have been doing songs like Luxury. It's not like Love Don't Cost a Thing where she's acting like she doesn't <laughs> care about money and she's like the most bougie woman that like ever Oh God, yeah. Walked the face of the earth. <laughs> she's like the epitome of glass. Let me introduce you to the party people on the floor. <laughs> okay, sure. Can I tell you <laughs> can I give you a hot take? I have I just I just yeah. came up with this fabulous hot take. Fergie sucks. <laughs> I have actually been coming to that lately as well. And I, I hate to... when people play her. Shh. I hate it. I like, I agree, but it's also like, she's so bad that then she is good because it is. So, her music is so ridiculous. Like Fer- Fergalicious was playing in the gym and I'm like, this is such a stupid song. And like, it was such a big hit. And then like, it kind of makes me like it. Like why? Are you- and she was like 40 or something too. Like she was one of those like older pop stars. I'm like, why are you like- God, she's like high camp, but like straight people don't get it. They just like put on like glamorous or London bridges at the club. And they're like, Oh yeah. It's like glamorous is playing the flossy flossy. And I'm like, this is, like a woman who like has pissed herself on stage like the fucking cartwheels whoa 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 <laughs> it's like you are like literally looking at like the equivalent to like the modern day like Faye Dunaway and Mommy Dearest when you're listening to her 
Wait, I need to, I need to like get this Wikipedia page of Fergie's album back up because I want to remember all of the singles. I remember owning it and like, I remember the fucking album. It has a, um, there's a Perez Hilton diss track on there because like, Girl. <laughs> you can't do that. You cannot make a Perez Hilton diss track. You have to let the rodent behave. Lady Gaga, who has absolutely no, like, she has no career insight and is constantly making the wrong move. Even she was smart enough not to do a Perez diss track. <laughs> oh my god. Where is that? Wait, what was that fucking ballad she had? Oh my god, yeah, Big Girls Don't Cry. Oh. Yeah, a lot of... <laughs> Shut up. She is not... <laughs> It has an age. Well, you know, it was even worse. Um, when she came out with the second album, Double Duchess, and tried to recreate the the success of the first album, and she had that fucking MILF money song where she got, like, Kim Kardashian and, like, Chrissy Teigen out, and it was, like, the worst song. Um, yeah, she is. she's actually awful. She's She really is, actually. It's funny because we're talking about Gwen Stefani, and... If you compare them together, they were both similar where they were in, like, a group of guys and they were, like, the main the main girl and that got them all of this, like, spotlight. And then I think Fergie kind of lucked out with some, like, weird campness, really thanks to, like, Will I Am. Yeah. Um, whereas Gwen Stefani is, like, an artist. Like, this is, like, a visionary kind of artist that, even though she never recreated it post-Love Angel Music Baby... She she fucking like made her mark, and you look back at Fergalicious, it's like Fergalicious, dang, it's like so stupid. Like, shut up. And I mean, okay, I'm not too stupid to like not like look at like Hollabacker and like be like, this is stupid. But like, here are the two lanes of stupid. It's like stupid for no point and stupid for the point, like the reason. Yeah, and I was thinking of like when I was thinking about how like. It's crazy me going, she was so old, like, she wasn't old, I'm talking, she was, Gwen was old in pop girl years, not old in, like, real years, but, like, that's, like, crazy to hit it, like, drop your solo album at, like, 35, um, and then you look at the girls now, and it's, like, Billie Eilish and, like, Olivia Rodrigo, they're, like, children when they, they're, like, 17 or something, like, coming out. They're, like, Britney age, yeah. I mean- I I have come to the conclusion that I love Olivia Rodrigo, I'm obsessed with her, I see your tweets because about she her. she's basic. She's basic. <laughs> she's so normal. There's no like superfluous artistic postmodern content. It's just her like being like, don't you know how it hurts to hurt like I do? And I'm like, oh, work. Like, I, obviously, I love like this you know Frankenstein like Mary Shelley creation of Gwen Stefani that is like actually extremely intellectual like high level art criticism like thousands of years of culture climaxing at once but everyone lately is like so distracted by being like edgy and avant-garde that olivia rodrigo wearing a little cheerleader outfit is like a slay bitch i love it well if you love olivia does that mean that you like hate Billie eilish i don't care for her i like bad guy i think it's fine I think her new album sounds good, but I just, it's like, I'm not interested in what she has to say. I'm into her, and I wasn't, like, at first I, like, kind of didn't get it, and slowly over time, like, she really started getting, she got me with the, um, oh, what's the song that she won the, um, the Grammy for? The James, oh, oh, they're gonna say the Academy Award, which she also has. Everything I Wanted. That song, um, I absolutely loved that song, and then it got me down, like, the Billie Eilish 
wormhole. I like that um, she has her own sound. I mean, yeah. people don't like the sound, but I like that she's like has her own thing going. Like you can't kind of say that anyone else is like doing that. And then the fact that she's like one of like the main pop girls like doing that, I kind of respect. But um, do you know that she's like one of the most popular artists with Japanese school children right now? Oh, really? Oh, yeah, for sure. I had when I used to work in schools, uh, I had several sixth graders oh my, who wait sh- wait you're a drag queen working in school is gonna call tucker you let her god i actually have had like stress dreams about libs of tiktok finding out like i used to work in schools or something i don't anymore now i work for an it company but when i did the sixth graders there would be like four girls who would always show up in fucking billy eilish merch and i was like that's kind of work like i like i like that they're into her well japan Japan has, like, the best taste in music and such a broad taste. Like, I did an episode, um, God, I don't know, two weeks ago because I reviewed that new Whitney Houston movie and I had my friend on and I also talked about the Rolling Stone list and I was, like, outraged that Karen Carpenter was so low on that. I mean, not that even, it's just a stupid, like, fucking listicle. But I couldn't believe they put Karen Carpenter down and I was, like, mentioning how, like, huge the Carpenters are in Japan. Like, they just, like, get good music. I mean... Everyone knows that I'm the K-pop head and I used to be into J-pop and I still love Japanese music. I just um I just don't have the bandwidth to mm-hmm. dive into it all, you know, like I used to because it's just like there's only so much like content I can do, but I always say that like I feel like K-pop um K-pop is like perfected commercial pop to me in terms of like making it mainstream and i love how they just like take bits of like every different culture that they actually they do like a gwen kind of vibe too they just like take everything and like put it all in one and then like package it with like the catchiest hooks and like best visuals and stuff so like i love it on for that commercial reason but in terms of like pure creativity and like experimentation and stuff like japan has like the best music market in the world like the stuff they do is so i mean you have it exactly right they have every fucking genre and every kind of artist and it's like amazing like people don't even if you haven't really like properly dived into like j-pop beyond like just like some of the main like crossover artists like you don't even like understand like what level they're operating at (laughs) there oh no, like, it gets so fucking deep. Like, um, I actually have come around to K-pop very recently because for about three years, I was in a state of fury about it because it is mostly produced in America. It's a bunch of black guys who, like, make, like, these, like, faux hip-hop pop songs for, like, pretty Korean girls who have no personality and are, like, boiled down to, like, nothing but, like, highlight and, like, a corset, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's, like, these, like, I mean, they're gorgeous, but, like, and now I'm kind of into it, and I actually think that K-pop is gonna be, like, cool again, because everyone is, like, kind of falling out of it, like, Blackpink is flopping, everyone hates them now, like, their most recent tour in America was a disaster, and outside of, like, them and the big groups, or, like, the really big groups, like, there is that one song, like, Afterlife, and, um... I, f- I feel like interesting stuff is happening. Oh, the Ivy song with the sample. Yeah. I like it. I mean, you've got to- <laughs> you've got to get like with K-pop. I mean, it's annoying for me because I'm I was doing K-pop coverage before fucking anybody because uh-huh. I used to be. I always like bring this up, but um, I was fucking like the OG of this when like no one was fucking talk- like no one in the West was writing about it or anything. I got like right before that like big boom and um. 
then it just became like so annoying like they the the k-pop fans totally took over twitter so that gives k-pop a bad name like bts Mm -hmm. and blackpink became the you know the main artists and they're i mean blackpink's music is horrific i mean it's some of the worst i mean yeah bts and blackpink are actually the worst k-pop artists like like by a landslide also is one, but whatever. We we can forget about them. Oh my like, god, don't you dare shade is one. I, I am hate like, him. I hate him. I hate those ugly cunts. Oh my god. I hate him. Is one <laughs> is one of my like there I just listen they they did about like they only did like four scenes. I mean now we're like oh, getting down oh my the god, wait, I'm so sorry. Like, I misspoke. Were... I misspoke. I meant to say Itsy. I love Is One. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Of God, could because I was thinking like, how could you not like Izzy? No, I love Izzy. Like, I hate Itzy. Yes. Excuse me. Itzy, Itzy are awful as well. Like Itzy are <laughs> fucking shocking. We're on the same page with that, and it's just like, you know, every fucking like Renaissance like plant gay is like a fucking um Blackpink stand, and it's like the most garbage music you've ever heard. And then everyone that's like cool and like a hipster just thinks that like all of k-pop must be like fucking shit and it's like no they're doing stuff that's like fucking amazing and like get into like the b-sides and the other idols but like whatever people don't give it you've got to get into like even twice like i love twice i love twice (laughs) you've got to get into new jeans have you like tried i like your jeans i like them um what's that one song um i'm not yeah boy i hear attention when it comes when it comes i'm like Yes, I love it. The thing for me that really changed my mind is that I went to Seoul in September, and when I visited, I went to all the gay clubs, of course, and when I was there, they have these gay guys. They all wear the same outfit. They all wear athleisure with, like, a white shirt and, like, black, like, trainers, and then they do every song in perfect choreography, and they go on stage. It's a whole thing, and... I found it breathtaking, and also you can throw your cigarette on the ground. I asked for an ashtray, and they're like, what? Throw it on the ground. And I was like, oh, it works. So I was, like, like chain-smoking, like, throwing my cigarettes on the ground as these, like, gay men are, like, actualizing queer ecstasy over, like, a fucking itsy song. And, like, from then I was like, oh, I got it. I got K-pop now. But it, I had a really long difficult tumultuous relationship with it i get it and it's like always been like that even because like j-pop was always seen as like the cooler thing and like k-pop was always seen as like the mainstream which is funny because now it's totally the opposite i feel like that too yeah like everyone everyone hates j-pop no no one cares at all i know um Okay, the last song of uh, Gwen's album I wanted to mention, actually voiced you about this the other day, is um, the final song, Long Way to Go, which is about um, interracial relationships and racism. And um, the the production's so great because it's Andre 3000. It's totally his, like, quirky intergalactic sound. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody on YouTube actually said that this song, because I was, like, I was looking at the comments, someone said it sounds like Crash Bandicoot. So, like, then I went and listened to the Crash Bandicoot like ps1 music it totally does like it sounds like very (laughs) similar but um i was thinking like if they released long way to go now it would be so fucking unbearable it'd be like some contrived cooked up like blm bop but like i remember hearing it you know innocent ears not affected by the culture wars and the race wars and just thinking like yeah this is a great song like i agree like we should all come together you know (laughs) I felt the same so way. Innocent. But I don't think anyone was, like, talking about racism in that year. Like, in the early 2000s, like, America was, like, cured of racism, it seemed. And, like, in pop culture, it's, like, 
every year there's like one big race relations movie like crash which i think is great and everyone hates i think it's fabulous and then we have like gwen stefani doing like a song like it's okay to date black guys and they do it in the most ham-fisted way possible by literally sampling and doing dj remixes on martin luther king jr as gwen and andre 3000 are singing when snow hits the asphalt oh I love it because it feels counterculture. It feels like so against the grain that it's like refreshing and exciting and interesting. If you released it now, it'd be like the most unbearable thing. Like mm. it'd, I'd be like, this is the worst song of the year with like Sam Smith's Unholy. But then for it to come out, then you just have like such a different perspective of it. I was also looking up her boyfriends and she's a serial monogamous so she really hasn't had many guys unless she's had some guys we don't know about but i actually can't believe she hasn't dated a black rapper because she's really like she's open-minded i mean her first boyfriend was indian and she was running around to bindi then she was with gavin rossdale who was like a like grungy but like a pretty boy rocker and Mm. now she's with like blake shelton like republican country man i'm surprised she didn't get get a rapper in there if she breaks up with blake shelton i would live for her to have her like megan fox like cougar moment and get some like young rapper or something to like parade around as arm candy (laughs) yes yeah i'd love for that too and the thing is i'm not too surprised about her and like blake shelton getting settled down um you know if you listen to like a simple kind of life when she's like talking about like why did I become a star? I literally just want to be a housewife with kids. And she got what she wanted, and she can still make inflammatory statements. Um, I Her most recent album, I didn't love it, but it's not that bad. Like, it's okay. I, I, I agree. It had a couple, like, it had a couple cute songs. I thought that um, Make Me Like You was cute, because I just like... That's the one I was thinking of, too. It's cute. I like a cute song that's just like, I'm in love or I have a crush. Actually, the lyrics to Make Me Like You sound like, literally sound like the lyrics to a K-pop song. I like that, like, that happy joy of, like, having a crush. Because usually, like, romance in American pop is either extremely sexualized, where it's just about, like, fucking each other, or it's, like, very angsty. So, that's about it for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Well, the, you know, the cover art was quite beautiful. I like it too. Like close up of her with, face, with her like, with the little hair string that she's pulling. Yeah, yeah I, I thought it was glam. <laughs> well, she's had she's had a few like weird false starts because like after Love Angel Music Baby. So actually, wait, I want to say about um, the Sweet Escape, her second album. Right when that came out, at the time, I remember hating it, and I was like, oh my god, like Gwen's so fake. She just released a bunch of like offcuts from you know, Love Angel Music Baby and, you know, Wind It Up is the worst song I've ever heard. And now I listen to Wind It Up again. I'm like, Wind this it shit up is, is so fucking, fucking awesome. Cool. I love it. It's so good. It's a fucking amazing. And that's like even another, like, that's another kind of like cultural inspiration because she's, she's yodeling to the sound of music. Like they sample the sound of music and she's fucking yodeling in it. But then it's like, they've sort of tried to recreate Hollaback Girl because it does have the, like, the cheerleader beat and it's just like so like audaciously bonkers and campy and like crazy and that song actually winded up as like going back and listening to it like that was just like too much for like the masses even me at the time but like she was too far ahead of the game with that yeah i mean wind it up sounds like it could happen now like it's so frankenstein i love it i love it i love it i i also remember being like 
at first, like, a little bit appalled by it, but I was, like, God, I must have been, like, 10 years old at the time, and then, like, my cunty instincts, like, kicked in, and I was, like, that's hunty when like she like oh with that blonde bob and the sunglasses she's like fucking like manically sewing i don't know it scratches <laughs> at some primordial itch for me i think she's a genius when she's sewing in there and she's dressed in like the nun's habit it's very like the devils yes it's so <laughs> that it's giving ken russell come on like i <laughs> it's so sad that we don't have anyone who's like as bold to just like throw everything in a blender, like, scream across a multitude of cultures and then, like, return it. And the one girl who did it, who ever really did it, is now getting fucking shit on a lure magazine. Like, we are in the worst reality. I know. And then I do love um The Sweet Escape, just that song. Like, that is just such a great, like, pop song. Like, as soon as, like, the Akon, like, wee who thing comes out, you're just like, oh, my God, you're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So good. Um, But yeah, a lot of the other stuff on there is not great. She's had like, she's had a few false starts where, so she did the second album and then, you know, she went away for like a few years. I can't remember what she did. I think she just like worked on her brand. And then when she got on The Voice in 2014, she like tried to make her her long-awaited comeback then. And she did like two songs. One of them was um, Baby Don't Lie which was just kind of just a radio song. But the the visual for it is cool because she was doing all these, like, really, that was sort of, like, a bit Japanese, but it was, like, this very, like, pop art, like, jet set radio kind of, mm-hmm. like, thing. And then um, she did another song called Spark the Fire. Let me reintroduce myself. Um, well, that's recent. That's, oh, I'm going to, girl, I'm going to get to that in a second. Worst <laughs> I've, ever heard. I've but, never heard um, Spark. Oh, okay. Spark, Spark the Fire was after Baby Don't Lie. Uh-huh. That was another one of these weird, like, a holoback. It didn't have a cheerleader thing, but it was her trying to do a weird Pharrell thing. She went back with, and it just, like, it just didn't hit. But, uh-huh. like, well, listening to it again, like, I kind of like that it was, like, all over the place and, like, a weird song. But she later admitted that she's actually, she's really fucking honest, Gwen Stefani, actually. Now, when I think about all of her interviews and stuff, she's, like fucking like truth serum and um she was like yeah look they just wanted me to put out music because i was on the voice and i thought you know these songs seem cool but you know usually i like write my songs more but they gave me these songs and i recorded them so like they didn't work and then she that's when she came out with the album a few years later with the um misery and make me like you and used to love you with the Sinead o'connor like mm-hmm. close up on her face crying video which was like fine it was you know about the end of her marriage so it was like but then um recently she tried well like a year or two ago she tried to like come back again with two singles um the first one was let me reintroduce myself which is so fucking awful um and it's just it's just like it's just her singing about like who she is and all of her iconic looks and like remember when i made you go bananas and remember i was like you know i'm just a girl and stuff but it's like this is just like weird and like self-referential like boring like it worked in what you waiting for doing like a very specific thing about herself because even though that was like so specific you could still like relate to that because the angst and the pressure she felt and then the urge to just go ahead and do it you could apply that to your own situation in your own life and then also just the fucking like banging beat and that like crazy like smashing chorus but like let me reintroduce myself was so bad like you almost can't believe like how did oh it's horrible and the video is humiliating it's just it's just a travesty like 
you know, about What You Waiting For, that is one of my favorite songs ever made because that song is about pushing past your crap and taking advantage of the moment and being slay hunty. Like, girl, it's so exciting and, like, it feels like it's full of, like, momentum and inertia. And Let Me Reintroduce Myself, which is um far too long of a title for a pop song, by the way, it literally feels like you are getting drowned in, like, the mud sludge of, like, her memory. Like, I don't want to be there. Like, girl, do something else. Like, okay, you've done yodeling. There must be some other, like, strange culture you haven't tried yet. Like, go do that and introduce yourself that way. I do not need to relive it because I can just go listen to it myself. Well, it's like, if I want to hear Gwen talk about her old looks, like, I'll watch, like, Gwen sits down with Vogue and, like, looks at her most iconic looks on YouTube. Fabulous video, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I rewatched it recently. But, like, I'll do that. But um, I don't need to hear it in a song. You know, she could be even, like, like I said, like, Dua Lipa kind of ripped her vibe off. She could have just done, like, a Dua Lipa copy and that would have been, like, sufficient because it would just be, like, Gwen doing, like, 80s, you know, radio songs which would be fine um and then she did another song after it called slow clap with sweetie which might even be worse it's way worse actually i forgot that so i deleted that from my memory banks it's so so disgusting and i listened to them again and i was like this is and that was another i think she was trying to like recreate a hollaback hollaback girl moment with that too because i think the video there i think it's like a school kind of video or like some kind of cheer thing or military military band or whatever they're called marching band and it's Mm -hmm. just like no this is just like fucking atrocious um that's always sad with artists when that i mean that's very common for pop artists because the thing about pop artists is they're usually only as good as the the producers that they that they get, and it's like the hot producers of the moment they want to work with the hot girl of the moment. So, and I mean, Gwen said it best herself on what you're waiting for when she said, "Like I've got to do it now because of my sex chromosome." Is in like I'm a woman. You've only got a certain amount of time. So you know, Gwen Stefani, fifty year old Gwen Stefani, wanting to make a comeback. The people that are giving the bops to like you know, Ariana Grande and Billie Eilish and Olivia and Dua Lipa, they're not giving their song to Gwen Stefani because, like, you know, they want to appeal to kids and stuff. Um, And now she's, like, in her Republican Blake Shelton era, which I love. And I was thinking, like, it's actually so good for her to be with, like, a big, strong conservative man at this, like, point in her life, especially, like, getting cancelled over some bullshit like this. Like, I'm sure... She was able to, like, go home to him, and he was like, man, fuck them. Like, you're Gwen Stefani. You know, (laughs) like, he would have, like, really had her back. She got everything she wanted. She asked for this specifically on Return of Saturn, like, as she was, like, questioning her whole femininity in, like, the year 27, uh, which I'm coming up on. This year I'll turn 27. I'm so old. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm happy for her. Like, her life seems to be great. I hope her makeup brand does well. It probably won't. (laughs) like who cares it's just like but like (laughs) everyone has a makeup brand now like i'm sure it was like one of those like white label things where like even her you know what another sad thing about her is is like i feel like when she was doing the lamb fashion line at the time and doing the the by the way i'm holding up to the camera my um harajuku lovers perfume i've got the baby one which i've had for like i've never smelled any of them before it just smells like a musky. I'm going to put it on now, actually. It just smells... Now I'm, like, ripping off Jack. Um, It just smells like a... Well, it's not even working, so I've barely sprayed it for years. It's like a musky baby powder. 
It's nice though. I like it. Oh, it smells a bit. Well, I've had it for a while. Okay, let me see um, how much this costs. I need to get one. I can't believe I haven't bought one. I love celebrity scents. I think they're so funny. Like I just I, I think the c- idea is amusing to me. Oh my god. I, I was talking to um Jack about this, I think, when he was I last know, I on heard. It was very amusing. And yeah, and I was just like, I just spend my money on like all of these stupid celebrity. I mean, I've stopped now, but like I go through these phases where I buy them and then like of course I don't wear them out. And I'm like, why didn't I just instead of buying like Rihanna and SJP and like whatever, why didn't I just like save this money and then get like a luxury one that I'm actually going to be like wearing out or like a you know a niche fragrance instead? Of, but you know, I do love that Ariana Grande um, cloud. Yes, I love Cloud. Yeah. I, I prance around in Cloud all the time. I smelled it for the first time at Donkey recently, which is like a Japanese like department store. Like it's kind of trashy. And I was shocked that it it is like nuclear. I put some on my wrist, just like one spray at the fucking store, and it was on my body for two days. I put some fucking Calm de Garcon on top of it, and I could still get it. After showers, <laughs> I was like amazed. I love how intense this scent is. Jack is always talking about how it's a ripoff of um, Baccarat Rouge, but... I love it. And I like the girls I know. just like wearing it. I think that's like fierce. <laughs> yeah, I um I like wear it to the I was wearing it um to the gym once, like my trainer like commented, like someone has like an amazing cologne on and I'm thinking, yeah, it's not a cologne, honey. <laughs> but I didn't say anything. <laughs> no, um, <that's> <laughs> it's Ariana Grande. Uh but the her favorite of mine actually is um REM. Smell that, because the bottle of that is so beautiful. I mean, it's like fucking plastic. I wish it was glass, but it's like this like plastic like crystal and uh-huh. it sits inside the crystals and it's like this beautiful like violet purple shade. And the scent is just, it's just like a musky lavender. Um, I don't know. It's like a cook. It's like cookies and like lavender. Um, and it's like soft. And have you heard her song REM? Of course. Yeah, I mean, I love Ariana's music. I'm a big it, fan of hers. Yeah, I'm. I love. I love. Love. Love her music. And um, it it smells like the song because it's dreamy. Like you wear it to bed. Like, do you want know perfume really I want nice. from Ariana Grande? I want the light is coming perfume. Which which one? The light is coming featuring Nicki Minaj. Oh, that song is so cool. Yeah, Sweetener is like great. Like Sweetener's so underrated because. She came out, like, bringing that, like, Neptune sound back that, like, like, she was bringing back the, like, Gwen Stefani, Khalees, like, Neptune's beats that, like, no one was doing anymore. And, like, that album did not have a good reaction on Stan Twitter. Like They hated it. I was immediately fascinated. I thought it was vulnerable and sweet and experimental and exciting. And I like the next one. I like Thank You Next. I haven't listened to her most recent one, though. It's a vibe. I mean, everything she puts out is good. What albums are you looking forward to, like, kind of in the pop world? Well, um, Nikki should be putting an album out this year. Like, she should. We'll see if it happens. I would like her to, because I really liked that fucking uh, Dr. Luke-produced single, Super Freaky Girl. I love that. Um... Okay, new Lana album with her tit out on the cover is fucking fierce, and I loved the single for that, so I can't wait to hear what she does on the rest of the record. I, for one, think Blue Bannisters is a masterpiece accomplishment. Apparently no one thinks this, and everyone is like some superior faggot who can tell the difference between chemtrails over the country club and that album even though they sound exactly the same. Anyway, I'm also excited for the new Miley album, because I did like that single. 
Yeah, well, um, speaking of Lana, I love Blue Bannisters as well. I think it's so beautiful, especially the title track and, like, Black Bathing Uh, Suit. Black Bathing Suit, when she's screaming about being overweight. Oh, my God. Why does no one... (laughs) No one understands, like, how fiercely camp and intense the lyrics are. Is She's, like, talking about, like, not being able to, like, fit into bathing suits or, like, going to Walmart, listening to Kings of Leon, doing Black Lives Matters. Like, she gets Americana down pat. I've had, like, Alana Del Rey sort of reawakening in the last year because I was an early fan of hers. Um, Back when I had my music blog, when I was a blogger, I was one of the first people to cover video games. And I was, like, obsessed with the song. I also remember people being shocked at Lana having, like, you know, fake lips because people weren't doing, like, lip fillers then. And if you go back and look at her, like, early era lips, they're, like, you wouldn't even notice. It's, like, nothing. But, like, because no one was, like, doing fake lips then. Like, everyone was, like, fucking talking about her lips. Like, I think she... I remember, I think there was, like, an article in, like, Enemy magazine or something that, like, Lana Del Rey's sick of you asking about her lips. Like, people acted like she was, like, Kylie Jenner. But I was one of the first people to do cover video games she used to follow me on twitter because i was one of the first people that wrote about her i never talked to her but like i was devastated when she disabled that account because even though like i know she didn't run it or anything like i just loved that like having alana follow um so i was an early fan and then somewhere like along the way um i didn't love like the whole of like when born to die came out i didn't love that album and i still don't love it then i really got back into her with ultra violence and then i kind of just was like I started to feel like, oh, is this just, like, a little too, like, on the nose? Is it just, like, a little, like, I don't know. I just, like, c- couldn't get into it. And mm-hmm. I, like, had to, like, take a break from Lana. I thought she was kind of corny. And then I've, like, when Norman fucking Rockwell came out, that, like, got me back in. And I'm obsessed with that album. And that was, like, the the re-entry point for me. And now, for, like, the last year, I've just been listening to her albums constantly. All of them. I love every single album. Um... I was so K-pop brained from listening to K-pop for so many years um, that I don't really listen to lyrics, um, especially with like pop music and stuff. And with Lana, like her songs are like poetry and all like so so about such specific times in her life. So I really kind of had to listen to all of her albums again, get my mind around like the whole concept of the album, all of the lyrics, every song. And now she's like going back to being like my favorite artists like i've got the poetry book on my shelf and (laughs) like the whole thing anyway that's just like a long way of me saying i'm like way back into lana now um i love that can't wait for the new album yeah i'm also excited for miley obviously miley's like she's totally up there as like one of my fave of the pop girls and um what i love about Miley too. She's actually a little bit like Gwen Stefani in the songwriting that the songs are very personal. And I love that like, if I go through Miley's career, even going back to like Can't Be Tamed, which was her first sort of like breaking out, trying to do a little bit of her own thing. You really like understand where she was in her life. Mm. And it's like kind of rare for a pop artist to actually have their life and their like soul in their music because like pop is very manufactured and it is about like getting on the radio and stuff and i love that she has this like tightrope balancing act that she does where it's like okay i'm gonna do like bangers and then i'm gonna do like younger now which is less commercial then i'm gonna do like dead pets which is even which is my insane fucking art album and then i'm gonna come back and do something like you know midnight sky which is like a more radio record but like and do an 80s thing like she's just so 
all over the place and she's like really good at like doing her like own little like weird artsy thing and then giving you some amazing stuff for the radio and like everything's fire just like in a different way and um mm-hmm. the new single flowers that that she's put out um yeah i love it i love the lyrics i love how like part of the concept of her having a comeback is how she's like really into fitness and loves working out and she's like working out in mm. the music video it's so funny i thought it was funny too I would just I find her so fascinating too for the same reasons, which is that every record is a little different, and I uh, don't care for younger now. And I thought her most recent album was kind of boring, but like I love Bangers, I love Miley and her Dead Pets, I love her like original album uh, as well that she did. Um, I like some of the Hannah Montana music era still too. Like I like I find her compelling, and so to see her. And honestly, a very fiercely artistic video of, like, her in that fucking gown trouncing around and then, like, working out. I found her to be very riveting. And the song with the I Will Survive sample is stunning. I, uh, it's exciting. What's the name of the album? Like, Summer Vacation Forever or something? Yeah, I think Endless Summer Vacation. But that's my that's my vibe. After I went to Okinawa and it was just like, ugh, the beach. I'm like, endless summer vacation. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I love Younger Now. By the way, I don't think the whole album's great, but I think the actual song Younger Now is like one of her best songs. I, I love that song. It's yeah, a beautiful song. I do like that single. It's very sweet. And then there's like some really boring songs on that album, and um, yeah. I don't. It felt like weird. I like. Part of the fact I think I'm not crazy about it is that I don't understand it. I don't know why this happened in her career. And it's cool that there is, like, a, a pop star with so much star power, and she can do something that I was not expecting and don't get still. That's cool. Well, that was her, like, trad wife era, because she got back with Liam, and she was out... That's when she was doing Malibu, and which I think Malibu was, like, the sweetest song mm-hmm. I absolutely love malibu i think it's like beautiful but um that was her like okay like i've had my bangers thing and been crazy and now i'm like on the farm with my chickens you know (laughs) reconnecting with my country roots like i'm a wife and then she has her like you know anti-trump like political mother's daughter kind of like (laughs) album and i just i love Uh that it's oh she is coming i forgot about she is coming with RuPaul on Catitude, the best song of all time. I love the name. It's such a good name. I was like, how is has like no one come up with the term Catitude before? Like, slay. We love that. Um, yeah, it's just like so it's so reflective of her. And like the new song, um, Flowers, I looked up the producer. It's a big producer. They do all of like the Harry Styles stuff, which I'm like not mad at. I know people like fucking hate Harry Styles. I haven't like sat down and listened to a Harry Styles like album, but like when I hear the songs, you know, on a fucking commercial or in a TikTok or something, the as it was and um, the watermelon sugar and all of that shit, like I'm into it. Like I don't have a problem with it. So I think she's going to do, I think it's, I think the new vibe will be a bit like, 70s like rock but you know like for the radio like it'll be a bit of like a female harry styles with like a miley touch which i'm totally fine with (laughs) well that sounds very uh viable to be commercially successful what she really needs right now is a hit like she really really needs a hit because um midnight sky that's not really a hit that's like that's a song but we need 
like an anthem. Like we need a big song. I want her to have like the biggest song in America this year. That's my hope. I think that the second single is going to be the big one. Like mm-hmm. this is like reintroducing herself. <laughs> this is her. Let me reintroduce <laughs> myself with flowers, and <laughs> and then she's going to like drop it because like she also is like very commercially aware, and she really understands about like okay, this is my like little art project, and this is my like album with the fucking hits, and she knows she needs a fucking hit right now. Like especially if she still wants to be getting like millions of dollars to do her like you know catitude and younger nows and you know her all of her like you know side hustles and stuff so um oh i also saw that you did on your pod i haven't listened to it yet but you did an episode about uh charlie xcx yes i need to get into that because i'm like i am a charlie fan like you know i can't name all of her music or anything but i absolutely love her first album uh true romance yeah we talked about true romance the most by far the most significant album on the episode that and like number one angel but yeah fucking true romance is wild true romance is it's like a love angel music baby and that it's one of those albums that i revisited thinking like it's probably aged badly now and it's like cringy and then i turn on like this is fire like this is still so good yeah. like nuclear seasons and like you ha 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 and all of that i'm like these songs are so fucking great and then mm. she's She's like, yeah, she's a little bit of a Miley as well and that she has her like commercial moments and then she has her things where she tries to like be a little more experimental. And um, I didn't listen to Crash. Like, I'm sure it's good. I just I just don't really listen to like full pop albums, but like the singles from it I liked. I loved Baby it was when she was like dancing around a baby. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah, Crash is actually her best album in a long time, I think. I think it's really great. But True Romance is such an accomplishment and- the way we were talking about it on the episode is that, like, it's really scuzzy, and it actually is cringy, but, like, intentionally so. Because it's, like, a very faded female archetype of, like, 17-year-old girl, like, wearing, like, pajama bottoms at a bus terminal, like, her pussy stinks, like, she hasn't washed her underwear in, like, three days, like, she's rolling up a blunt, but she is so committed to that image that she really translates it and all of its emotional drama and archetypes perfectly so i love true romance and i i love her too gay people have a very intense relationship with her and they go back and forth with her and rip her apart and all this stuff but i'll listen to everything she does i think she's interesting at the very least so the most annoying thing about her is that because her fan base is just gay stan Twitter, she literally just talks like gay stan Twitter in every interview. Like, every interview is just like, yes, mama hunty, like, slay. Like, she just uses... I have never watched an interview with her, thank God. Oh, my God. She uses all, like, every type of stan Twitter lingo, like, well, really pop, like, pop stan Twitter lingo... That's just how she talks, like, specifically. And, you know, like, stands Britney Spears and all of, like, the stuff. And I'm like, my God. Like, she's definitely... um And she's, like, smart. Like, she's not a fucking bimbo or anything. Because I've heard her talk about her music and her career and stuff, too. And she's very, like, clear-headed about it. um And really understands her place and what she's doing and stuff. But it's just, like, the Stan Twitter pandering. Um and the last thing I want to say is that I love how you've been clowning on that fucking um, whatever her name is, Carolyn Polachek stuff on Twitter. Oh god, that stupid bitch! Get away from me! I can't. No, 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 no! I really can't. I was gonna say when you fucking tweeted the, you like quote tweeted 
this thing and she was like a rat or something and you're like i don't want any part of this (laughs) i don't I think I told you earlier, like, the reason I'm, like, not, I'm hesitant towards, like, Billie Eilish is that it's way too over-intellectualized, and, like, okay, Billie might not be that pure, but, like, at least she's not, like, in the fucking Caroline Polachek layer, which is just, like, endless, ironic, postmodern crap. Girl, shut up. Like, honestly, be quiet. Make a song. Those people, that tier of pop girls, that's why it's like Charlie kind of could have been one of those girls, but she's sort of elevated beyond that. But mm-hmm. like that tier of like pop girls that like the pop justice like forum like are obsessed with, it's just such like such boring like 80s kind of throwbacks that like it all sounds the same. They all put out like the same thing. Their audiences specifically like Euro pop, <laughs> yes, Euro pop faggots, but like. Not like us. These are the kind of faggots that... This is why I get annoyed with the Housewives fans, too, when they piss me off. It's like, the Housewives fans that, like, won't watch any... Like, the whole life revolves around the Housewives, and it's the same with these pop fans. Like, they don't know any other genres of music. Like, they don't have any other fucking reference points, because all they listen to is, like, what the song of the day on, like, fucking Pop Justice is. Uh-huh. And it's just fucking, like, boring and stupid. Um... And I hate it. So, yeah, I hate her too. Even if she puts out a good song that I like, just what she represents already has annoyed me. And she had another tweet that went viral the other day where she was like, stop, like, calling me, like, the the new Kate Bush. Like, I'm the the first Carolyn Polachek. And I'm just like, girl, shut up. Girl, literally shut up. I found, I, I looked up for that tweet and I said, wow, I don't want to listen to anything associated with this at all. <laughs> <laughs> She was like a rat or like a beaver or something, but it was like her head on like the rat's body. Yeah, her head is on like some like metallic, like, it's like on some like, here, it's like this sculpture. No. It looks like something out of like the never ending story. Yeah, seriously, stop. I don't want to like be in like the bog of Og Bog with you or whatever. Like get, when I want to listen to like pop girls, I want the fantasy. I want to like, I want to get my like glamorous narrative identification. I don't want to be like trapped in like your sweaty pussy, like, ew, like gross. No, 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 no. At least Charlie XCX is glamorous, okay? Like she is, and she knows like she knows different kinds of pop music too, because she experiments so much. Um, like yeah, she, and she's like, hot, and she has big boobs. <laughs> yes, which we love. And me and Jack were talking about how like we love Sydney Sweeney because she will get her tits out, and like more girls, like get them out. Like we want to see it. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do it. Like we love it. Like, but like Carolyn Polachek is like in a fucking turtleneck, being like. Welcome to my conceptual island. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to your island. I'm going away from there. I want big tits. I want actually horny music. I want girls who aren't being self-reflexive. I want pop music. I don't want that, whatever that is. Billie uh, Billie Eilish has big tits. I know, and she's gotten into a lot of flack for it. I remember when she was like, don't sexualize my big tits. <laughs> but she was like, she had like, <laughs> I think she did. She was flashing them in some videos. She has one song that is pretty bad where it's like, she's having like a slumber party and she's like bouncing her tits around with like a blonde hair. Whatever that song is, I don't like. But um, I don't know. She's good. Give her more of a chance. She's not a Carolyn Polachek. You know what? I will. I, I trust your. I trust your interpretation. I will listen to. I listened to her first like major album, 
I thought it was, I'll listen to her new one and see what I think. Yeah, I liked, I got into her through the second album, but you know, the second album, it's very like, because she has that like downbeat vibe, it's got to be like late at night. There's got to be like a candle on, like you've got some wine, like even if you're just scrolling Twitter, but you've just got to like be having like a bit of a moment with it. Like, because of the I've been all about having a counter on a glass of wine in my dark apartment recently. Like it's cold Tokyo winter. I'm like looking to get moody. So it sounds like it might be a good fit actually. Oh my god, you know what you've got to get? I've been, like, plugging this to everyone because I'm obsessed with it, is the um, the Jeffree Star Lavender Lemonade Bundle, <laughs> which comes with bath salts and, like, lavender bath salts. It's, like, a whole thing, and it has, like, a purple mask. I was telling I was telling Jack about it, too. I was, tell- I was gushing to Jack about the um, Jeffree Star moisturizer that I use, and it's actually, like, quite yeah. expensive to buy it from Australia, so I'm like... I don't know, like, how long... Like, I got... It was on sale the other day, and, like, I also had, like, a voucher so I could, like, get a bunch off, and I bought, like, three jars of it. Like, (laughs) it was on special. (laughs) Well, your skin looks fabulous. looks spotless. You (laughs) you look radiant. I'm gonna um, send you... You see me in my glasses nerd mode, but um, I'm gonna send you um, a video of me showing you, like I did to Jack, the Jeffree Star, and, like, just the luxury of the container and, like, the goop inside. It's so beautiful. Like, <laughs> guys, don't sleep on the Jeffree Star skincare. I know people think that, like, celebrities just put out, like, crap. I'm obsessed with it, okay? You're having an experience when you use it. But Jeffree Star is for real, and actually... People who are super woke, like hyper lib, cancel, cancel, cancel on the runway, they still buy Jeffree Star cosmetics because his fucking eyeshadow is pigmented down. Like, I have used his, like, some of his eyeshadows before and they are incredible. They look so strong and vibrant. They're so heavy. He is a real, I mean, Jeffree Star is the ultimate villain of pop culture, but he makes a damn good product and I love him for both reasons. Oh, he's a. I would fucking kill to get Jeffrey Star on the pod. I've had Shane Dawson on, who I love. And wait, you had Shane Dawson on this show? Yeah, I had Shane was a fan. I haven't talked to him for a minute. Actually, no, I did. I messaged him when he got engaged to Ryland. Um, yeah, I had Shane on, and we talked about. We actually kind of. What did we talk about? Oh, we talked about Heidi Montag because we love Heidi Montag. I cannot believe you had fucking Shane Dawson on your show. That's insane. It's definitely one of my biggest guests. I've had, like, a lot of... My, and my podcast is, like, a flop, I always say. It's, like, not even big. And I've had, like, so many of my dream people. Like, not everyone, but I've had, like, Dr. Drew was a dream guest of mine. I had Dr. Drew. I've had Shane, who I really wanted to get on. I had Blair White, who I'm not, like, such a fan anymore. I mean, I don't know. I have, like... I like When she first came out, so I have, like, a nostalgia for her. I don't really, like, agree with the takes and stuff she does now because she's sort of, like... She's gone down the Tucker route, but like, shout out yeah. Blair White. Like, I had her on. It was fucking awesome to get because she's a big deal. Um, and she was very nice, by the way. Like, I actually, I wish I could have her on again because I had a few like regrets about the interview. Because actually, I-, I actually remember you talking about you having regrets about this. I've heard this on your show before about you feeling unsatisfied. And so I listened to the episode. I thought it was good. You know what it was? It was like when I started the pod, um, and I've talked about this before, and that was at like, that was, like, the height of, like, COVID, BLM, like, everyone being so, like, scared to say things. And I'm, like, obviously, like, very kind of, like, you know, political, like, you are and, like, everyone is in mm. this circle. And, um, like, I felt like when I had her on, like, oh, I need to, like, ask her about things that people have, like, criticised her about because it's, like, <laughs> you know, she's problematic. So, like, I have to, like, ask her a few, like... You were very game about it. 
Like, I have to be, like, a journalist. So I'm like, well, you know, people have said that you do this. And I'm like, why do I care? Like, why do I even let that get into my head of, like... No, no, I, th- I think you're over-narrativizing. It didn't sound that way at all when I listened to it. It sounded like you were, like, yeah. asking her questions in an inviting way and, like, giving her, like, room to talk. It didn't sound like the other thing. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, who else have I had that I loved? I don't know. You've had some, like, great guests and stuff, too, though. That's like, true. But I'm... Like, it's just, it's fun to get, you know, dream people that you don't expect to have on. But, like, Jeffrey is, Jeffrey's definitely up there as, like, someone I want on. He's, like, so fucking cool. And I love how he's, like, uncancelable. Oh, yeah. And um, who are some of your dream people? Him and James Charles are, are, are definitely up on my list, too. I would cut off a finger to get James Charles on my show. He deserves justice. Dan Allegretto is obsessed with James Charles as well. I love Dan. I gotta invite him on my show sooner sooner or later. I mean, I keep meaning to. Yeah. I'm like subscribed to his Patreon. I listen to like every episode, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'll go on. Like, hit him up. Yeah, I'm trying to think. My oh, my big dream is, although I think she'll be a really bad interview, so like I'm probably glad that it hasn't happened, but um, Pamela Anderson, because she's like my, she's kind of like my number one. I love it. You'll get her. Like, oh. All time. I mean, uh, have you seen the trailer for her Netflix show? She's got a Netflix no. documentary coming out. Oh, a documentary, huh? Ooh, fierce. I yeah, love a Netflix all- documentary. I can't wait to watch it because I fucking love her. I just hope that it's not... Because what they always do with these now is like... They take every fucking female celebrity that there ever has been, and then the storyline is always like, oh my god, they were, like, objectified by the media. Oh, they were, like, it's like the This Is Paris thing, which is the worst thing Paris Hilton has ever put out in her whole career. It's awful. The only good thing is when she's stacking up the MacBooks in the room, but the rest of it is awful. It's all fucking trauma porn stuff, and I know that, like... I know they're going to do that to an extent with Pam because unlike other celebrities, she actually didn't want her sex tape out there. Like it literally was like stolen from her home and sold um, without her consent. So there's obviously a real story in there for that, but I just hope it doesn't turn into this whole, like they objectify, but she's like the most like self-objectifying fucking like sex symbol of like all time. Like I hope they, you know, I just hope it doesn't have the fucking political spin on it. Look, anyway, we're going to, like, keep talking for a million years. Let's, like, wrap it sure, up. Sure, sorry, it's too, much, it's too much fun talking to you. There's so much I want to talk to you about. Um, give yourself a plug again and tell people, like, where they can find you. I'll obviously have everything in the show notes and the links and stuff, but, like... Give a little sales pitch. Yeah, well, I'm so popular is a huge revolving door art project. I think uh, once you get infected with it, you can't stop. And I talk about really random stuff all the time. Like one week we're gonna have Charlie XCX. Uh, next week it's gonna be um, a Japanese movie you've never heard of. But I can guarantee you, somewhere in my backlog, there is one thing you've been interested in before. So jump in. Find something you like. You'll fall in love with me because I'm fascinating and riveting, obviously. And um, the show is I'm So Popular. It's on Spotify, iTunes, the whole shabam. If you uh, subscribe on Patreon, you get, like, literally, like, four hours of content every week. So uh, it's patreon.com slash I'm So Popular. You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Homo A-S-U-K-A, homo. Um, yeah, I'd love to have you join me. It's a great, it's, it's a lot of fun. So 
Yes, um, I love it. I love your podcast. I love what you do. Guys, thanks for listening. And I will be back. Um, well, you guys know that I always have the Housewives recaps up on Patreon. I don't know when my next episode is. I'm planning a few things. So you'll see me probably within a week or so. Bye, guys. Bye.